podcast world. Chat building back at you. This life ain't for everybody. Another episode coming your way. Thank you all so much again for the growth, all the ratings, the reviews, the subscriptions. Keep subscribing, telling your friends and family. We get a lot of direct messages about the guests we've been having, the topics we've been covered. You all seem to be happy with that. So keep them coming and we will keep getting the information out to you guys. Today's episode of the This Life Ain't For Everybody podcast brought to you by our friends at Dick Peck Tires and Wheels, California-based company, part of the Mickey Thompson Racing family, Dick Peck Tires and Wheels. We entrust in them to get us across America, back roads, highways any of the migration, the migratory routes, America's flyways that we're chasing ducks and geese or going to check out fights or baseball games or concerts, Dick Peck, make sure that we get there safe. Thank you all so much. Please continue to support the partners and sponsors that support us and Dick Peck tires and rims and wheels have been supporting us for the last eight to nine years. And we truly believe in them. Thank you. And we're humbled to be a part of them. Today's guest of this life ain't for everybody. He's been here a couple times before mixed martial art, trailblazer legend dan hendo henderson the master of the h-bomb hendo how are you i'm great how you doing the master of the h-bomb huh <laughs> yeah were you, I surprised, guess, uh, I got... were you surprised one bit at the uh the new news of john jones uh no i mean i think eventually a guy w- should be able to learn from his past mistakes but Evidently, he needs to be told to not do something. You know, he what just that doesn't do? learn, learn very fast, I guess. Now, with that being another DWI, does that do anything to with Dana White or the UFC? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I mean, honestly, I feel like he's gotten off pretty lightly uh, as far as with everything, with them and the athletic commissions. uh over the last few years with all of his mistakes, he's been slapped on the wrist most of the time. So, um, you know, I guess that, that tends to try somewhat enable people to, to do, you know, do it again. If, if they're not getting a full punishment, why not risk it again? And what, what are the, you, you don't get a full punishment, so you risk it again. But this guy's like putting other people's lives in jeopardy, right? He's not just going out and taking steroids and getting tested positive for cheating or, you know, from USAD anymore. He's actually driving while impaired and putting people's lives in danger. And to me, that's way worse than cheating in a fight, right? Uh, yeah, no, I agree 100%. I mean, he, I think his punishment on this was kind of not very big. And and that could be just because of the timing of it during the virus where they're not going to lock him up in jail, but he basically just got a few days of, of an anklet on and, and then a lot of community service. Wow. So you think, you know, second or third time of driving under the influence. Well, I just, I don't get it. He said something like he was just so cooped up that he had to get out. Yeah. I mean, all of us are cooped up, right? That doesn't mean that we're twice the legal limit and then getting in a truck and driving. Right. Yeah, for sure. I think, I think his uh, hit and run wasn't technically a, uh, a DWI because he wasn't on scene. So it could have been his third, third. Oh, it could have been three. Time. Yeah. What about the new updates and, and news with Khabib not being able to get out of Russia? Was this a cop out or is this a legitimate excuse not to fight Ferguson? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I don't think he would, Duck Ferguson. I, I think it's a good good fight for Khabib, actually. But um, <clears throat> I don't know. I guess with everything going on, you never know. 
Who's Hopefully it happens. I want to see that fight. So do I. Who's stepping in for him? How do you pronounce uh, that guy's name? Justin Gaithy. Gaithy, is that how you pronounce it? Does he even Something have like a? That. Does he have a shot in hell against Ferguson? Um. Uh, yeah, I think he he's a a tough dude that hits hard and he's a goer and and you know I think he can keep up with the pace. Uh, he can take Ferguson down and, and pound on him there too. So, yeah, I'm pretty excited about that fight as well. Now, in your career and all of your performances in the octagon, in the ring, in Pride, in Strike Force, in the UFC, would your performance have been the exact same against? Let's just take the fight that we always talk about, the one that's in the Hall of Fame against Shogun Hua. Would that fight have went down the way it did if the seats were empty? Because we're talking about these fights are going down in front of no crowd, right? So, would right. you have had the same energy and the same? I know that you're a baller and that you you go out all out no matter what. But would it be the same if there's nobody cheering for Hendo or Hua during these fights? Uh, I don't know. I mean, I feel like. Most most of the episodes of The Ultimate Fighter were always that way as well. And those fights were always fairly exciting. Those guys had a lot on the line trying to trying to be the ultimate fighter. And, and there's no fans there. It was just the coaches in the corner and, and, and the other teammates were there That's as well. But, you know, th- those fights were always exciting, but they had a little bit more drive, to, a little more on the line. I, I don't know if it's more on the line, but just something different. They had a, their, their big shot on the line, you know, to be in the UFC, <clears throat> you know, now these guys are in the UFC and, and there's no fans. And <clears throat> I don't know, I guess you can get a little bit unmotivated sometimes when, when there's no, no fans there, but I don't know. I think it'd be a pretty fun thing to do. How much stress do you think Dana's under the company right now that bought the UFC without the ticket sales. I mean, does pay-per-view go through the roof in, a, in an instance like this? Uh, I, I don't know. I mean, I'd imagine that they have probably went to ESPN and worked something out to where, um, you know, they're, they're trying to work out a different type of deal to where they're going to hold more shows and maybe ESPN is, is kicking down a little bit more to, to put shows on TV for them. Yeah, I never thought about that. But as far I, I as I couldn't tell you, I mean, I would imagine that's what they probably tried to do. Yeah, just missing those beer sales and those ticket sales and the gate sales and the merch sales. That I'm sure that merch goes through the roof at fights like this. And right. I mean, I haven't been to a live UFC fight in a minute, so I don't know exactly what goes down right now. But I think that they're losing a lot of money by not being able to have the fans and the in the public involved. Oh, quite a bit of money, but. Everybody's losing money right now. What is what is exciting? I've been watching, you know, these days of this quarantine right now, I've been watching a lot of your fights and Chuck's fights. And the I'm going to say that the fighting range from probably 2003 through 2009, 10 t- t- time frame. Is yeah. it this? Is it the same now? Has it been watered down? I understand that the UFC's grown; it's become the monster that it has. But man, there was just like a culture back then of of it just seemed different. We touched on it when I called you the other day when I was having that fight week, and I had Scott Shaleen in here, and we were talking to you about the gyms back then and the culture of the gyms and how you guys all have these different teams now, as far as like these home places to train. A lot of that wasn't going on in those days. I think like training camps were like Tito would go 
up to Big Bear and you had your gym, but you know, a lot of guys were just out on their own or they'd go to a remote place and train. And now it seems yeah. like a lot of these fighters have these state of the art technological gyms, like kind of like Ivan Drago and Rocky four kind of, you know, and the Russians are training compared to how Rocky was training, but it just seems there was a different feel back then. Do you think I'm right on that? Or is it just part of the game of evolution and, and things changing? Well, I think a little of both. It definitely was different. I think the mentality of the fighters back then is different than the fighters now. I think it's just a generation thing. You know, the this generation has a little different attitude than our generation. And, and yeah, I think that uh, that kind of adds to or, or takes away from what the fights are as well. I mean, I think the guys are used to be a lot, a lot, a little bit tougher and not, not as entitled to, to certain things and kind of get out there and work a little harder for, for what they want. Um, you know, but the, the talent is still there that they're, the guys are learning how to fight better at a younger age now than, than when, when I was fighting. So, you know, it, it, it goes both ways. I, I think, the talent's a little better and which sometimes makes the fights a little bit more exciting, but you know, you also uh, have a lot more fights now and and you don't really get excited about one fight as well as you did as much as you did in the past where there was less, you know, maybe one, one event a month or something like that instead of one a week or even two a week. If you, if you have Bellator and UFC having, you know, fights same weekend, yeah, that's exactly what I'm thinking about. It's almost not, I don't like to use the term watered down, but I used to look, I used to buy a lot more pay-per-views uh, just because there wasn't as many, I guess. So I probably didn't buy more, but man, I used to just, the the fights just seemed different culture. I don't know if it's because all the fighters look the same now and they're in the same dress. You know, they all got the Reebok on. It used to be a lot more variety when it came to sponsors and, and wardrobe and the tarp or the banner being thrown over the side of the octagon. And everybody right. kind of had their own culture within, you know, their their fight camp. And now that's all kind of been taken away unless you understand or know the fighter or or what he's been training in or she. It just seems like there was a lot more culture built into it. When Hendo was in there, you knew what his lifestyle was like and who he supported. And now you were just a Reebok guy, right? It's right. It, And it used to be a lot more diversification and a lot more culture, in my opinion, of all of these different individuals that were truly just fighters. And now it's almost like, everybody's part of this board game and here's your red guy and here's your blue guy and pick. It just seems a lot different to me these days and everything's just become more uniform to where there's, uh, I think a lot of the culture has been taken out of the UFC. I agree a hundred percent. I think uh, you still do have that in Bellator though, that they're still able to have their own sponsors and, and their banners before the fight. So Bellator didn't take that away, but it definitely has uh, changed in that aspect also in the UFC, especially, uh, you know, there's, there's not so much any, any individuality anymore. It's all just, uh, you know, all uniform and everybody's wearing the same looking thing and, and everybody has the same sponsor type of thing. And I don't know, I, I just, uh, I do miss the old days as well. I miss the way I miss pride as well. The shows that they used to put on. Um, what are, what are your feelings on some of the the walkouts? Are you a big? I know that you're not a raw raw guy, but 
if, if it's good for the game and good for the sport and good for the the fight game, I guess you watch. I don't know if you watch Tyson Fury Wilder too, but their walkouts were like way too much. Like he was up on a chariot and on a king's chair, and these girls were carrying him. Kind of, you know, they tried to portray that, and then and then Wilder had, you know, he blamed his forty pound mask and costume for a lot of how how tired and exhausted he was during the fight. <laughs> then the style bender, these choreographers and these dancers and these rappers, and and I know that you've had a country singer, you know, sit there and sing a song while you've come out. But it was never like a, it was almost like the Apollo Creed in Rocky Four, right before he fought Ivan Drago when James Brown came out and sang "Coming to America." You know, is it too much? Is it good for the game, or did the did the fans really give a shit about stuff like that? You think because really it's a show for the fans. It's it's not doing anything for the actual fight. It's not intimidating the other fighter by any means. I wouldn't think. Yeah, I don't know. I think uh, it's all about what people want to see and and. I think sometimes it do, it does go over the top, but it gives people something to talk about, I guess, you know, Hey, did you see that walkout or, or, you know, if the fight wasn't exciting, the walkout was at least. <laughs> how, how, how forward did you look? Was that a big part of your, the fight experience? Did you look forward to that, that door opening or that curtain being pulled aside and Dan Henderson walking into the arena? No, I mean, I didn't really focus on that at all. I didn't care about it, but I, I did enjoy the moment when it was happening. Um, I know that back in the days when, when I was fighting in pride, they would do an opening ceremony, which was pretty, pretty fun and pretty cool. And, you know, they kind of do something different every time and a pretty cool walkout most of the time. Um, so fans really liked that as well, but it, it was never too much over the top. I think, um, you know, they, they kept it short and sweet and, but still, uh, you know, pretty fun. And most of the time, so I, I don't know, they added some pyro. I miss those days as well, but yeah, I never really worried too much about my walkout. I was always focused on what I needed to do to the other guy's face. Do you go out and watch those pride fights ever anymore? Do you ever pull them up on your TV where you're sitting right now and, and relive or rehash the glory days at all? <laughs> No, I mean, I, I hardly ever watch any of my old fights. Uh, I just happened to actually been flicking through the, the channels and saw on Showtime they had uh, my Strike Force fight with with uh, Feijiao on uh, like a few days ago. So, and and I I turned it on and and it just happened to be right right before our walkout. So it was right right before our fight. So that was uh, I hadn't watched that one in a long time either, you know, so it was, it was fun to watch those, but I never go out of my way to do it. I, I don't know. I just, did Showtime uh, own strike force Showtime, uh, had the TV rights to the to TV strike rights. Force. Did yeah. Dana, did, did UFC buy strike force soon after, uh, not long after that fight? It, they bought, yeah, pretty much right after that fight. Cause they owned strike force when I fought Fedor. When you fought Fedor. Which was my next fight after Fajal. Are you Netflixing and chilling right now during the COVID-19 quarantine? Are you guys doing a lot of Netflixing or are you mainly cable right now? Or or what are you uh, doing as far as TV goes? About half and half. We have direct TV, and, and, but a lot, of, a lot of Netflix as well. Have watched you watched a little, the- bit, a little bit of the, the, the Tiger King? <laughs> God dang. Did it remind you of anybody in your family? Because it sure as hell did me. <laughs> I was like, dude, that looked I, like me growing up. 
I've only gotten, I think, the three episodes so far, but there's some crazy shit going on. Those are the best three. I'm not going to try to let you down. I won't give it out. But, it, I mean, it stays good, but it's I can't believe that shit goes on. Do you, have you watched the Ronda Rousey story through her dad's eyes on there yet? No, I didn't know there was something on there with that. And it it opened my eyes to a lot about her because it's got old judo footage and old training footage and her old trainer that brought her into the gym in Riverside, California. And 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 right when she made the move to MMA and it kind of shows her three or four first amateur fights and then, then it jumped to the professional fights and the ranks before the UFC brought her in. And it shows all of Dana's interviews like women will never fight in the UFC. And on ESPN, he said it on TMZ, said it. And then he's like, women are going to fight. And when Ronda came in, but what I really liked about it was it showed a lot of her hand skills and it shows a lot of her boxing and she's, she was, she's more legit in my eyes after watching that, which I know documentaries can be cited or, you know, teeter tottered one way or the other, but it makes you respect her, the level of the game that she was bringing at that time in a totally different way than I did is just a fight fan watching her, you know, recreationally through the UFC. Hmm. You got to check I'll it out. To look for it, yeah. I bet you you probably know a lot of the people in there too that they that they interview. Katur's in it. Randy got interviewed for it. Oh yeah. Uh, yeah. Dana White's interviewed Joe Rogan, I think a little bit, but um, there's some other people that that they interview. But yeah, it's a good watch. It's like an hour and twenty minutes, and I was like, I'll give it five minutes, and then boom, it it got me in, and it's a it's a pretty legit pretty legit upbringing. Her mom and the judo. You know, her mom was a badass judoist too. I guess. Yeah, Martial she, she was in Strike Force when I was there, also. Oh, her mom was. No. Oh, Rhonda was. Rhonda was, yeah. Rhonda, see, I don't even think that part of it's. Yeah, maybe it is. She is. Did she fight Misha Tate the first time in Strike Force? When she broke mm-hmm. her arm. Yeah, yeah, she did. I think. I think that was a Strike Force, but that's a good watch. And then I watched. Um, have you watched the uh, the um, Don't F with Cats? No, I, I haven't. <laughs> Have you seen it on there? The the I, I've know? seen it. I don't even know what it's about, other than it's like some cat lady, right, or something like that. No, it's about it's it's about a serial killer. You got to check it out, dude. That one, <laughs> and then I watched the Aaron Hernandez uh, documentary. Have you watched that? I think we watched at least one episode of it because there's like what three a few episodes of it, right? Like yeah, that's up a into form. It's a legit documentary, like very legit. Well done. Um, NCAA quarantine or not quarantine, but COVID all the winter sports, spring sports. They just said that they are going to allow another year of eligibility, but what if they didn't? What if Henderson, Dan Henderson in your college career and you're, you're up for a national title run. Let's take it like um, the kid that won the Hodge trophy this year. um, Spencer Lee at Iowa going for a national championship and they come in and say the rest of the season's over. The Olympics are canceled. There'll be nothing. What does that do to your psyche as a fighter, as a competitor of our, you know, Kyle Snyder's come out and said, well, we'll just have to wait for 2021 when the Olympics finally go off. Would it take its toll on a fighter mentally if he's an NCAA, a potential champion, maybe winning his second or third NCAA championship or Big Ten championship or whatever it is, and then all of a sudden it's just like, hey, y'all are done. Could you imagine? I'm I'm sure it's a big letdown for sure after all the hard work they put in for, you know, for wrestling. It was was 95% of the season was finished and and just the – basically the finals were, were 
about to happen when they canceled them. So, you know, that, that's got to be a big letdown. But you also kind of have a, a solid bit of rankings and, and, and what guy, you know, was probably going to win it or, or, you know, the top few guys. So, I mean, I don't know. It's you do need to look forward to, to going on, especially if you're a senior kind of, you know, looking to, to make that Olympic team national team and, and, and try to go that route when the Olympics do come back around, which, you know, gives some of these guys a little bit more time to try and make the team, I guess. Yeah. I think I just, what a letdown though, man, because I, the, the, the NCAA championships are everything to a wrestler and a team. And the other part of it is that finally somebody's probably going to win the NCAA title besides Penn state in the last five or six years. And it looks (laughs) like it might be the Hawkeyes again, you know, the whole Dan Gable story and, and they're in the running for the, the champion, the team championship and it gets canceled. So that's gotta be a shit, you know, a shitty deal for them as well. So, what did you say? They're going to let some of these guys have another year of eligibility? Well, I haven't read this, but I read the first report that came out that said they will not. And then all these people came in and said, this is BS. You got to let these kids have another year of eligibility. And then I was told that the, NC- see how they could. the NCAA came back and said, yes, for winter sports only. Not springs, uh, not winter sports, spring sports only, which wrestling's not considered a, a winter sp- uh, spring sport, right? So no, base, so baseball and all of that get to, so that, that kind of disqualifies what I started the conversation with because the, the wrestlers don't get to come back if that's the case. I heard it's just spring sports. Well, I mean, they didn't have any of their seasons. So, I mean, I can see that, but I mean, it's, it's kind of tough for these guys that are up and coming to have, you know, a, a sixth year senior in there that they have to compete with. You know, that wrestled so I, pretty I much know. the full season. Yeah. Uh, it would be uh, definitely make nationals a little bit tougher. <laughs> Very much tougher. Do you, you, know? you don't pay much attention to that anymore. Do you, or do you? No, I don't watch nearly as much wrestling as I, uh, as I should. What gets you going now? Where, where is your competitive flair at now? Are you even a competitor anymore, or is it just in business? Do you want to fight again? I know that you're not going to professionally, but do you ever just want to punch somebody in the face besides me when you see me at SHOT Show? <laughs> or, I mean, where do you have any competitiveness in you anymore? Oh, for sure. Yeah, I think I'm still pretty competitive, but I'm – pretty satisfied with what I, uh, what I accomplished, but you know, there's, there's times where I do watch fights and wonder, you know, how, how bad I would mop somebody up out there that that's, that's in there. But most of the time I just enjoy watching them and, and, you know, leave my, my own ego out of it. So what is your ego telling you these days in the UFC, who do you want? Who would you want to fight? And I know John Jones is on that list. Besides Jones, who would you want to fight? That's that's in there right now, making a name for themselves or winning fights. Uh, well, uh, I don't know. I mean, I'm sure there's a few. I, I honestly don't know most of the fighters that are fighting right now. I don't watch enough of the fights uh, these days. But uh, What's the what's the kid's name? The the style bender kid. I think he'd be a fun one to kind of be able to to test myself with. You now, the last the, time that you came on here as a, I called you off a whim and I talked to you about that fight against Romero. Did you watch it? I did not watch it, but what I a freaking that, letdown! I heard that I didn't miss anything. 
nothing. Like I don't even know like if a punch was it was the worst. And I'm not just saying that because I respect fighters, but I'm talking like all the hype of this kid. And then Romero, who's a stud wrestler, and you said if he sticks with his wrestling, he didn't. I don't even think he attempted a takedown, not one. It was terrible. It was oh man, those. I don't know if they'll ever give him another opportunity or not, but it's crazy. What what? So what else are you got going? What are you looking forward to the most? Let's well, before we get into some business. You are are you Traegering a bunch during this? Are you eating at home every meal? Are you getting takeout? Do you trust the takeout in your area? Are you supporting local restaurants through takeout, curbside dining, or gift cards? Are you cooking for your family? Is your wife doing it all? What's going on in the Henderson household during the quarantine? Uh, well, most of the time I've been cooking over the last couple of years, but, uh, since the quarantine, the wife stepped it up a little bit and, and started cooking about half the time. Um, you know, but we have been using the trigger and I still try to support the local restaurants, but I've got quite a bit of food in the freezer that, uh, I'd like to try to eat up. And I feel like that's all I've been doing though, is, is eating and not working out. So, but I actually just, I actually just worked out today. I got back from the gym right before this and did a pretty, pretty hard little circuit and, uh, cardio or weights, uh, weights, a lot of reps and, uh, my body was a little worn out. Are you drinking at all during the quarantine? Do you find yourself pouring a cocktail earlier than you usually would this time of year or on a weekday, or has that taken its toll on you at all? Like not, I'm not saying in excess, but are you drinking more than you usually would on a Wednesday? Not right now, but tonight are you going to crack a bottle of wine or a cocktail? I would think I, I actually think I'm drinking less than I normally would. <laughs> and there's a lot less social socializing going on right now. So yeah, I don't know. I, but there's been a couple of times where I'm, I sit here and drink with the wife and, and uh, you know, where we have a big old party on zoom. A lot of the friends uh, get on there and, and drink and, and hang out and uh, BS for a while. But uh, you know, most of, mostly I think I've, I've drinking less. Really? Which is probably good for my, my beer belly. Well, you deserve to have one now. Do you ever do you ever look at yourself and say, I'm gonna get back in fight shape anymore? Do you want a six pack again? Are you into that? Uh I look at myself and say, God damn, I'm I gotta get rid of that 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 little chub down down around my belly button area. <laughs> Does the wife say the same thing or is she okay with it? Uh she makes comments here and there. You're not the same Dan I fell in love with. I want that. No, I she want doesn't the say that. <laughs> she doesn't say that. But she tells they, you get. They they joke around with me sometimes, but geez, man, she doesn't. She doesn't ever go to the gym either. And but she just keeps getting skinnier. Really? Yeah, I don't know she, what. I she doesn't work why, out at all. She, no, not not in the last few years. Why don't you go on the Rogan podcast? Has he ever asked you to be on it? uh no no he's never hit me up and i've never hit him up i'm i'm sure that uh one of these days i'll hit him up and and uh but i think that'd be fun yeah i just i think he would think the same thing that you'd be a great guest for him on there with all of your knowledge of the fight game plus your career plus business all that stuff yeah i mean i think it would be fun what kind of guy is he is as far as personal friend is uh, uh well, personally I, I like 
maybe not friendship, but what kind of guy is he that you know Joe Rogan as? Uh, I don't, I don't know him that personally. I, he's always, uh, you know, kind of a good guy and, and I don't know, just a normal guy that, that that's pretty funny, <laughs> pretty funny to talk to a lot of times, but, uh, he gets in there and I know he, he, he's grappled for a long time and done a lot of striking and, you know, so he, he knows the sport well as you know, so he's obviously a well pretty good qualified. commentator because he's, you know, practices at well. So, you know, but Joe's a good dude. I, I've always uh, enjoyed being around him. Okay. So, you're, Sometimes you're, he's a little biased with his uh, with his commentating, but most commentators are. Yeah. You, do you have an example of the last one you remember? No, no. But you can tell when he likes somebody and when, when you know, or likes somebody better than the other guy, you know, he kind of focuses on that guy a little bit more. After the Cowboy fight against McGregor, I know that you said um, – that that really wasn't a fight because Cowboy didn't lose the fight. He didn't show up, all of that. I get it. He didn't. It was weird. Very weird approach to a big fight like that, big opportunity. Right. I'm sure there's got to be some sort of regret because I like Donald Cerrone as a fighter. I don't know him personally. Did that in the, in the leading up to that with the apologies and the humbleness of McGregor and his change for more respect for the fight game and his opponent and the other fighters and his apologies for what he did in public. Does it change Dan Henderson opinion of a fighter like that? Um, if he's willing to start going down more of the straight and narrow of being a more wanting to earn somebody's respect now, or is it too late? Uh, it's never too late. I wouldn't say that, but you know, I think it's too early, <laughs> too early. <laughs> to kind of give him the, that respect. You know, I think he needs to, to kind of, show that he's matured a little bit and, and, you know, he, he can actually go out and, and be, be a role model, you know, being in the role that he is, he, he should be somebody that kids could look up to and, and try to be like, instead of, you know, all the, the clown stuff that he does. And, you know, some of that is all great and, and fine and, and brings more fans of the sport. And I'm, I'm all for that, but some of the stuff that, that he's done that because he feels like he, he, he can do whatever he wants and, and not have any consequences punching an old man in a bar. You know, I think that's going to take a, a lot of fans to get over stuff like that, throwing a, throwing a chair through the bus window and, and, you know, making it so a few people couldn't have, couldn't fight that, that weekend because he did that. And, especially after training and preparing for a fight and then to have somebody take that away from them, you know, it just kind of sucks. And, and he's the one that did that. And I don't think people uh, should forget that. You know, I, I think he definitely could redeem himself, but not yet, not in my mind yet. Was there any fighter from your era? And when I say your era, I know that you're only in your 40s, so it's not like we're talking a huge span here. But this is, you know, I'm saying 99 through 09, somewhere in there. Is there any fighter that came across that way that you remember that was pulling antics like that, that was pissing other fighters off or putting a black eye or a potential bruise on the sport and the lively, not the livelihood of other fighters, but even though Connor did put the livelihood in jeopardy in the bus incident in the chairs or the, you know, throwing the fence through the window, throwing the chairs through there, hurting fighters. 
scaring the living piss out of the bus driver. Was there fighters back in the day that did that? I know that Tito was a guy that mouthed off and got kind of arrogant and cocky, but did anybody ever put take it to the extent that Connor has? No, not that I can recall. Not anybody that I, I've known of. And, you know, which, like I said, some of the stuff's all good, but when it when it comes to affecting other fighters and, and other people, you know, in a negative way, you know, that's, that's where he's kind of crossed the line a few times. Yeah. That's, but it's not too late though. It's too early, but there, it's never too late to get Hendo's <laughs> respect to where, did you see the tweet that Connor put out in the, or in the interview about, about Chuck? <clears throat> Chuck tweeted it today um, about how Chuck Liddell vastly, you know, hugely inspired Connor McGregor. And then Chuck was saying thank you for the quote in the interview about, I guess, Connor had said that the fighter that inspired him the most or one of them that inspired him the most was the Iceman Liddell. And then Chuck reposted it today and said his two cents about how humbling it was to hear that from one of the greatest, you know, one of the greats of the game today, the fight game. So I didn't know if you read that or not, but it seems that he's trying to do more things like that of pay homage to the guys that brought this sport to the forefront and, and, and made it to where, because I, I I don't know if the UFC would be where it is if it wasn't for that air of nine you know nine probably two thousand one two thousand two to where when you retired I think that you and the the Liddells and the Hughes and the GSPs I just think that that is the the prime of this mixed martial arts fight game and now I didn't know pride the way that I did you know when once the UFC got in the in the in the pay-per-views in the living rooms of america but i just don't think that it would be where it's at i don't i think dana white would probably say the same thing and that that air is really what made this and i'm not taking anything away from hoist gracie or dan seven or any of the fighter or ken shamrock or any of them but I, there was just something about that period of the early 2000s late 90s early 2000s is that fair to say or am i way off base on that no, I agree hundred percent. I think, uh, you know, people like Connor kind of are driving their Bentleys down the road that, that we paved, you know, guys like Chuck Liddell, Randy Couture and, and all the guys like that helped pave that road that he's driving his money, money machine down and making all the money now. So, yeah, I think that he should respect that a lot more than he's done. In any sport, you talk yeah, about you talk yeah. about this, right? I mean, you talk about a guy like our friend George Brett that Traegers and everything. He, I think, the most he ever made was three million dollars in a season. He's a first ballot Hall of Famer, three batting titles in three different decades. He's got All Stars and MVPs and World Series championships, whatever, right? You don't you don't look past him as he's the one that paved the way for the Mike Trouts and the Bryce Harpers to be making the money, Mickey Mantle before him and tons of players, right? So you can't right. you just can't disrespect the that generation. History. I don't know if Connor's really disrespected it, but I think it's better to pay homage to it of saying the things of uh and, and making people understand of how important that error was for what's going on right now because there's some big deals being signed. And a lot more money being made in MMA now for the fighters than there ever was. Oh, for sure. 100%. Huge difference. So back to what you were you were saying with what gets you fired up or competitive now. <laughs> what is it? What, what are, is it 
the days with the family that you look forward to most? Is there anything going on in business right now that you want to touch on? The last time you came on a full podcast was in October from Canada. We talked about the new restaurant, brewery, distillery. What's going on with that? What's the status there? I know things have probably been on the 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 lowdown or the slowdown right now with the virus. But where are your are the dreams still there? Is the momentum still there? You still chomping at the bit to get that going? Yeah, I mean, obviously, uh, I'm glad we didn't uh, get open before this happened, but we're, we we have slowed down the construction a little bit, and, and uh, there's no need to hurry right now. <clears throat> um, a good portion of the construction is done and on the interior, but, yeah, we, we're looking to open, hopefully, you know, after, after everything calms down and, and things get back to a semi-normal uh, and people feel comfortable enough to start going out out to restaurants hopefully we'll be open around that time when do you think that's going to be is this a july august september time frame or are you talking may or june well no it won't be may or june um you know but it'll be you know a little probably july august uh is a good time frame just depends on you know what happens with uh, with all these quarantine days, and and if and if we can put a put a halt to this virus pretty quickly, and and the doctors uh, come up with a, a cure, I think that there's a good chance of being open sooner than later. What's your What's your guess or time frame on this virus? You think? Do you have Do you think about it? Because a conversation I had earlier today was there's no end in sight. There's just so much of the unknown. If we knew it was going to be, you know, done at the last day of April, people be like, okay, no problem. I'm gonna get a bunch of stuff done, whatever. Chad Warden made mention of that today. Um, But there's no end in sight. Nobody, there's so much unknown out there. And that's the problem with this whole deal is that nobody really knows. Kids aren't going back to schools, all these, every sports league and, you know, concerts, Coachella, uh, uh, South by South, everything's been canceled, everything. So there's really nothing, there's nothing to go on. Yeah. It's, it's, it's definitely tough to kind of have, have faith when, when it is an unknown. Um, But yeah, I think, one of the bigger problems that's going to prolong this thing is, is everybody else's some of the other States and really haven't might not have the population that other States have and, and didn't get hammered that bad. And, and they're not taking it nearly as serious as, as like New York or California. Uh, I think those other States are going to end up prolonging our quarantine and making it longer because they didn't get on board when they should have, um, you know, and, and I get it. Uh, you know, a lot of people had the same attitude that everything's getting blown out of proportion. Everybody's overreacting, you know, but, but if we're going to be in quarantine, everybody should probably jump on board so we can all get it, get back to our lives a lot quicker and, and uh, start building the country back up the way it was before this happened. Yeah, I agree a hundred percent. I don't, I don't know if it's, that's a great point. You know, the New York's, the Washington's, the California's and these other States might not be taking it serious. I know that they've shut everything down where I live. I mean, besides essential businesses and construction, it's really, it's sad to see what's going on. And I hope that America comes back bigger than it ever and better than it was. And we, you know, we get behind, you know, 
our our political leaders and we start to entrust in them a little bit more it seems like that no matter what this guy does it's all it's just a, a complete barrage of of defense you know instigator instigation of like hey let's start something else to make it even tougher on him when it's going through hell right now trying to keep this under control i don't know if the country's ever gone through anything like this and definitely not in our uh, lifetime no i mean have you ever heard of uh las vegas being closed no <laughs> no could you yeah. imagine being on the strip right now and it's just done imagine being on uh, broadway in nashville right now there's not one bar open Right. Yeah. So, I mean, I couldn't imagine the, 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 the weight on Trump's shoulders going through this, uh, this whole thing and having to deal with everything he's dealing with, you know, and then, you know, all the, all the people that, that have been against him or, or making it even a tougher job to, to deal with all this virus stuff that's going on right now that is, is new. It's a new thing for everybody in the world, not just our country. Yeah. Big time. And then, yeah, it's, 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 it's not a, it's not cool to think of the stress. I mean, the the virus by itself is enough. Let the other shit go and just start trying to support the leadership and what we're trying to get done because he's not going to make a decision that's going to put us in jeopardy. Anyway, you know, talking politics, I guess is a bad thing. I guess (laughs) what, 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 um, I'll let you go in a minute. What music, are we listening to today? Are we liking a lot? I know you're a country guy. Is there cer- certain songs right now that are standing out? Are you listening to anything that's uh, that's that's new to you? Are you getting into classic country more? Is it all the new the bro country still? Are you no, are you wearing? I mean, a little of both, but you know, a little of both. I haven't really uh, been focusing on music lately too much. Been watching a lot more TV than the music. Yeah. Not in my not in my car quite as often either. So I guess that has something to do with it. Not hanging out, listening to music with friends either. So just one of those things I just haven't uh, listened to as much. You know, there there's definitely some uh some good songs out there, but you such know, I, as, think, I think the whole I, I think the whole world's kind of you know, slowed down with, with everything that they were doing and just I, I related to uh, Groundhog Day. I'm gonna have to watch that movie. So it seems like that's most of my most of everybody's day these days is like Groundhog Day. It really up. is. Yeah, it's, it's amazing. It's like the the things that we probably tend to take for granted are really at the forefront of my mind every day now. Of like not even being able to go to a friend's house for a dinner. Right? You like our, my friends. A lot of my friends are. They don't have the symptoms. They don't have the virus. I don't have the virus. I don't have the symptoms, right? But we're still like trying to do what we're told and staying home. No play dates for the kids. No sleepovers. No, don't go into, they said groups of 10 for a while, right? And now we, I mean, we won't even go with where there's four or five people around the same kitchen or living room. We're just trying to, and and being by myself every day and having my daughter here, I get her, you know, three or four days a week and that's the best. And we're getting a lot done. But there's still that sense of like, man, our lives are unbelievably blessed to have what we have. And then when it's taken away, it really comes to the forefront of like, damn, man, this would suck if we had to live like this. Like you could get through it with your family, but could you? You love your wife. You love your kids. I get that. I do too. But could you not go to the gym anymore and socialize or to the pub or to a Bellator fight or fly here for a monster event or go on a, a hunt in Ohio or Oklahoma or Arkansas? I mean, it, this would suck. 
Yeah, no, I definitely uh, has, I think, uh, broadened everybody's perspective and and really uh, made them miss the things a, a little bit more that uh, they took for granted, for sure. And, and, you know, it could be a good thing in that way, but, you know, overall, it's it's pretty sad what, what we're going to have to do to, to rebuild everything and, and all the businesses that they're going to be struggling for a while and in, in debt for a while. And, and, uh, you know, and it just trickles down to all the workforce as well. I mean, they're going to be struggling for a bit to get back on track. Uh, you know, and the government's the one that, that bailed everybody is bailing everybody out as much as they can. It seems like, so, you know, I don't know how long it'll take uh, America to bounce back from this. I don't think anybody does, but it's not going to be a month. I promise you that it's going to be a minute to, to really get a, a, and when I say a minute, I mean a lot longer than a month to get things back going. Right. So you have anything planned tonight, (laughs) (laughs) this weekend? It's like, do you have, I got, I've got a few things to do as far as, uh, some some business stuff you know with this brewery and and a few other things but other than that i've got nothing going on and you're still a hundred percent excited about this project you're ready to rock on it because i'm i I mean i'm I'm excited to see it go no i'm excited i'm real excited about it um you know but it's hard to be excited about anything when you don't know uh what the future is going to hold right now i mean you'd, you'd imagine that things are going to get back on track and people are going to go back to start going back to work. Things are going to start opening and and life will slowly get back to normal. But, you know, you don't know at what point that's going to happen, you know, and and at some place in the back of your mind, you're wondering if it ever will. (laughs) So, but I guarantee I'm pretty pretty confident that it's going to get back to normal eventually, but, it could be prolonged by like some of those states that aren't taking this as serious as, you know, as everybody else, just to uh, at least get on board and get back to normal life sooner. Yeah, I hope they do. I hope that people really start to understand that. I mean, I've seen videos out there of these quarantine, you know, the the Corona virus parties. Have you seen these of? the kids sucking on the same popsicle or the same lollipop and they're licking toilet seats and they're just doing ignorant stuff. Like they don't, they don't listen to the leadership and the science and our medical experts and our leaders. It's, it just blows my mind that you could ever even imagine and then get sick and take it back to your grandparents. And, you know, like Mardi Gras, they say that that's why Louisiana and Louisiana is so affected by this is because of the Mardi Gras and how many people were there and it spread through there with why, you know, panic and, and I just think that people need to just chill out and do what they're told right now and stay the frick at home. That's it. Period. No, I agree hundred percent. I think uh, the more people that get on board, the faster we can start making some alcohol and selling it. Yeah. I hope, have you, have you been tasting any of, of the, the custom stuff at all lately? Uh, no, not lately. I mean, we haven't, uh, haven't I haven't really been having any meetings with in in face to face with 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 our our people? So I can't wait to see the bottles and the labels and the beer and everything. It's going to be a killer deal. Tell Not me the excited. name of it. Tell everybody the name of it. 
Well, it's the, the restaurant's going to be Hindo's Barrel House. And uh, we're still up in the air about the name of the alcohol brand. Right, right now, it's possibly going to be Seven Bells. Uh, but we might change that to, to be a little more fitting to something else going on. But we'll see. You got any ideas? Yeah. Um, the, the the H H bomb Hell's Bells H bomb H B the H bomb <laughs> Brewery the H bomb Distillery <laughs> that's significant with you I I I can't figure out the, the fa- seven the foul the foul liquor the foul light the foul lifer liquor <laughs> <laughs> no I'll I'll think on it I could probably get kind of clever on some names of a of the alcohol <laughs> but in the in the spirits vodka bourbon whiskey and and tequila and gin and all of it i want to yeah i want to do a little bit of everything but i want to eventually i not right away but eventually i want to do some tequila i don't know uh how we're going to get around some of the rules on that one but uh i'd like i like tequila so because it's supposed to be made in mexico it's supposed to be made in the tequila region of mexico yes tequila region of mexico well, well, you we'll see. Call it something else. I've got ideas for that too. You do? <laughs> yeah. All right, Hendo. Well, I appreciate your time. Take care of your family. Stay safe. Stay home. Keep working out. I don't want you, I don't want you feeling bad about yourself when you look in the mirror. I want you to look in the mirror and be like, I am a winner. I am somebody. I'm Hendo. Well, I appreciate that. And I will uh, definitely work on it. I'm I want to look good in my bikini this summer. Yeah, if you're allowed to go to the lake or the boat or have a yeah. or anywhere, right? Come on, we yep. got to we got to get back to back to living our regular lives. That's Dan Henderson. Looking forward to the restaurant. Looking forward to the brewery, the distillery. Be looking for more news out of Hendo's Barrel House, Temecula, California. We will have updates on social media, the Foul Life TV show, as we get them. And while you're downtime during this quarantine. Go YouTube some of Hendo's fights. Watch some of the knockouts. <laughs> the Shogun Hua fight, the Michael Bisbing number one fight, the number two fight that Hendo did win and should have won the title. But we won't go there. Dan Henderson, thank you very much for your time today, buddy. My pleasure. You guys uh, stay safe and uh, don't get too bored. I will. And thank you for uh, everything you did with the um, the Chucks and the Randys. And let me know if we can do anything for you. And I will call you and get this paperwork situated and go from All there. Right. This has been another episode of This Life Ain't For Everybody. Today's episode, again, was brought to you by our friends at Dick Pack Tires and Wheels. We trust them to get us across America daily, weekly, monthly, and yearly. And we see the future clearly. We're going to have Dick Pack on all of our Ford trucks. So keep that in mind, guys. Thank you for supporting the partners and sponsors that support our podcast, our sister podcast, The Foul Life, our TV show on the Outdoor Channel, brand new episodes of The Foul Life airing right now. And check out our websites at thefowllife.com, jargongamecalls.com, this life ain't for everybody.com and banded.com. We truly su- appreciate all the support of our brands. I'm Chad Belding, your host for Dan Henderson. We'll catch you guys next time. Tom, hit that button. This is our good friend, Leith Lofton. The song's called What You Gonna Do When the Money's All Gone. See ya. I'd rather be poor living off in a hole. Riches hill without a soul. Life on earth won't last too long. So what you gonna do when the money's all gone?